welcome to the Beer Vulnerabilis Beer Podcast. I'm Adam Blinsky. And I'm Albert Imperato. Where we help men communicate and build empathy. Season 2 of the Veer Vulnerabilis Beer Podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Standard and Strange, where the clothes and the people are anything but ordinary, and the motto is own fewer, better things. All right, Albert, thank you for uh, putting this one together. I'm really excited about this one tonight. And uh, yeah, I think we got a really great, um, I would say, mirror image or just kind of a other side of the view tonight. So uh, I'll let you take it away, man. Um, what are we up to this evening? Well, we're um, we're enjoying uh, so far really interesting episodes of season two. Um, we've had a musician, we've had um, a uh, entrepreneur, and you know we've had an author, and um, we've gotten a lot of feedback. We've gotten a lot of incredible positive feedback um, from various you know various people, and we're we're always thrilled to get to get mail from people. Oh, yeah. um, we occasionally get the, uh, the, the question about the variety and just people reminding us that there are all kinds of uh, uh, people that we're not representing. And, and on occasion, we do get those kinds of questions about, well, you know, we understand the shows about male vulnerability, but you really should be talking to women because they could, t- they could teach men so much about vulnerability. And there's no doubt that's true. Um, of course, you know, uh, we we could learn from everybody, and I'm you know absolutely women would be able to teach men all kinds of things um, th- that men are not going to be able to see on their own. But you know we I I thought through and we talked through some of the some of the reasons why we mostly talk to men. It's it's we're trying to encourage men to just get in the habit and use that communication muscle, so to speak. So that that was um, that was in the back of of, of you know my experience reading uh, mail from folks and thinking, but. Then there was another part of this story is an interaction that we had with one of the guests tonight. Uh, and we'll, we'll tell you that once we introduce the guests, but um, we, have, we have two uh, accomplished, wonderful uh, women with us tonight. And so I'll let you introduce them and then we'll, we'll have our conversation. Right on. So uh, we have two guests this evening. Uh, the first is Beth Young. She is a self-taught silversmith, poet, and maker of art from life. She lives in the Black Hills of South Dakota with her wife, Alyssa, and their two rescue dogs. Tara Miller resides in Illinois with her husband, Charles Miller, and two kids, Alicia and Ezekiel. She is currently in active duty in the Army and a freelance hairstylist. Tara is also the co-owner of the Charles Miller brand, Denim. Thank you so much tonight for giving us your time, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Adam. Albert. Welcome. Having us. <laughs> I will say uh, tonight, this is the first time uh, for me that I've spoken with Tara and, and Beth um, by video. I've had a ton of texts with Beth. Beth um, created the beautiful uh, pendant, um, uh, the silver pendant of Veer Vulnerabilis Veer. I still can't say the name of our own show. <laughs> Uh, it's a beautiful pendant. I wear it. It's uh, every time I put it on, I feel like I have superpowers. I feel uh, it's just beautiful. It, it's just a beautiful memory of how we connected. Uh, and, and Beth and I have talked quite a bit. Tara and, and I, uh, Tara, I should say Tara. I'm not Tara. I know a Tara and I know a Tara and it's going to come out wrong all night. But um, yeah, uh, I know uh, I've um, you know followed the, the denim brand. Uh, and and just know that you're you and your husband are both in the military, uh, in active service, which just you know completely blows me away. That I mean, how you, the, the amount that you must manage in your in your life with kids, army, and and creating denim. I mean, you you've got a busy schedule, so that's that's super impressive. But um, just really really briefly, referring uh, going back uh, just for that that moment uh, I mentioned earlier is there was one morning where I liked a post by a, um, a colleague uh, in the denim community. And I didn't know why I liked it. I just kind of liked it. It's a little reflexive. Sometimes you just hit the like button. And about an hour later, Beth wrote me a direct message and just said, you know, Albert, I'm just wondering, what do you think about that image? And she kind of challenged, challenged me and started explaining why she didn't like the image. So maybe Beth, if you don't mind um, just a little bit, tell us a little bit about the image without, you know, we don't have to say which feeds it, it in. That's not even the important part, but maybe tell us a little bit about the image so people can kind of get a frame of reference of what we're going to be talking about. Sure. 
um, it was, it was just an Instagram post come, come across my awareness through several other women in the denim community who, um, were kind of upset about, not kind of, but very upset about, um, this, this image that these men had posted on their feed. And, um, essentially the image was just two dudes with, I think it was one mannequin, um, with breasts and just basically a female figure nude um, and it was a mannequin um, but they were kind of like making odd faces and the comment I believe said something to the effect of like no comment needed and um, you know just just something like that can be so disturbing um, as a woman who every single day is confronted with just, just constantly things that happen, you know, that, that men maybe don't even think about that might just be, you know, like joking around or seem innocent and just kind of immature or whatever. But the thought of, you know, being a woman and in encountering this constantly, multiple times every single day as just something that you know we're we're meant to kind of put up with and deal with we've learned to tune out or whatever um it, it was just a, a disturbing image and i think especially at the point in time when it was posted um the fact that it was a black mannequin and black trans women were being murdered and killed um it that also was a disturbing part of this image to me as well. Um, so I think that's just kind of what started our conversation about this and, and about how women are treated and in the denim community, but then even in a broader sense in general in society. I'm curious, did you um, reach out to Tara about it? I actually didn't. No, I didn't. Um, I, I'm curious as to know what Tara thought of it. Cause she said that maybe Charles had, um, brought it to her attention as well. Well, um, so I didn't actually see the image. Um, he just told me what it was and how disturbed he was by it. However, once I got, um, notification that the image was up and like well it was up and then deleted I think um it was honestly nothing new to me um the profession that I'm in I'm really used to a lot of sexist behavior so um I'm not saying that it's a, a right thing to have or especially if you're trying to uphold an image within yourself um, you have to be mindful of what you do post and, you know, be sensitive to, to those around you. Um, I do think for women in the denim community and in general, we do um, just brush off a lot of things that are unacceptable just to not cause problems, I would say, um, or make it a bigger issue. Because a lot of times if you do address an issue it blows out of proportion instead of, you know, me just telling you how something made me feel. So, um, Beth, had you come to me, I definitely would have heard you out and I definitely would have, you know, voiced my concern about that being absolutely inappropriate. Well, I have to say, um, I felt awful just liking it. I didn't even write the, write the text. And I just felt awful when Beth pointed out um why it was an inappropriate image it just you know i was just i don't know just going through my feed hit like and when beth when beth brought it to my attention it was like kapow like my eyes opened up and i was like okay from now on don't like images until you actually pay more attention to them and i think that's really um uh, a, a, a difficult lesson to learn, but an important lesson is that we, the minute we put that like on it, we're sort of saying, Hey, that's cool by me. And I think a lot of us in our culture where it's this quick social media 
culture, a lot goes by us that we don't object to, that we don't stop and say, oh my God, that's horrible. Like, and and we're, we become so bombarded at that we, we become so, uh, we become kind of uh, numb to it. What struck me by what, what uh, Beth just said was this idea that this is both, actually both of you said it, the idea that this is just something that as women, each and every day is just full of these types of things that you have to sort of choose not to engage that that's like a uh, like a a strategy it's kind of like a coping strategy in a way i I suppose and that's that's kind that's a lot of coping every day (laughs) to have to what how what do you have to do to to manage that the demands of coping in that situation i mean i i guess for me i would say and probably kind of like tara said she's pretty used to it it's sort of like second nature um that this is just something that like you don't engage those things because of the repercussions of what might happen so um it's just more second nature to not do that and um unless it's like a a flagrant thing that is really you can't avoid um making some type of response to what's happening because it's so in your face. Uh, most of the time, I think second nature, just you, you just learn to avoid it and deal with it and ignore it, I guess. So I have a two part answer. Second nature definitely kicks in. Um, however, I have a responsibility to uphold in my profession as an equal opportunity advisor that I speak out on things of that nature, but after coming home from that and scrolling mindlessly on social media, there are plenty of things that I probably should speak out on that I probably just scroll past and don't even pay attention to, like you kind of said, Albert, um, that, you know, it, that's very much second nature. Um, and it's just, you just deal with it. However, I will say this. I think that in the denim community in particular, we have a responsibility to hold each other accountable um, because the denim community is so small. Um, The denim and heritage goods community, I'll say, is so small and very close-knit that, you know, we should be able to reach out to our fellow person and say, hey, that's not cool what you posted. Here's why. Whether you disagree or agree, you know, is up to you, but at least I brought it to your attention. Yeah. for this entire conversation, um, I'm just kind of uh, doing a little a flip in my head because this is what I talked about for almost two hours this morning uh, with my work team. Um, from what you've said happens in the the denim community or in, in what you experience in, in your real life day to day also happens in the tech community quite a bit. Um, the, the fact that women get mistreated and overlooked um, at my job all the time um, is insanity. And I was trained by a lot of women. Um, I have my direct report manager is a woman. I have women on my team and I have women above and below me and they're all great, amazing people. The fact that I had to hear stories from multiple women today about them being questioned in their expertise, them being questioned in their ability, um, and in their knowledge in that field, uh, by men, mostly older white men, uh, just just shook me hard because th- this was going to like, for me, this was kind of a, a, like our responsible behavior and interactions training where we're just talking about how we talk to people. And there was a scenario of a, uh, a like a, a offensive tattoo that was um, going on. And I was like, okay, like that's that's my life experience. I've, I've seen racist and offensive and anti-Semitic tattoos all my life. I can speak to that, but I've never been passed over for being a straight white male um, because no one's questioned my thing. However, three teammates said, hey, in the past little bit, I've had to have this conversation. And while a woman was training um, another one of my teammates, um, he had to step in in an interaction and say, hey, you know what? I- I'm the one being trained. I'd like to hear what my coworker has to say because she's been in this role longer 
And you're, you're actually hindering my knowledge by directly talking to me instead of her. So the parallels that I'm seeing between this and the tech industry can't just be too, too out of, it's gotta be more than one place. So just this, you know, kind of bringing up to my eyes, like, holy cow, the same issues I'm seeing in my job, you're telling me about again, this has got to change because that is unacceptable. And especially me being the population that is oppressing the most straight white, you know, the older men, uh, this has to go. This is unacceptable. And, um, well, yes, they're my teammates and I, I really enjoy them. Like, you two are like, you know, you're in the cut. Like, I mean, Beth, you made the wear the necklace I'm wearing and like Tara, like and Tara, you and your husband, like you're awesome. And I, I love your videos and, you know, I love watching, I saw you and Beth, um, on there too. And I love that episode. And it's just, it is crazy just to, to hear that. And it, we're supposed to say, Hey, it's 2020 things are supposed to be different. And w- what's different, what's changed. Um, so for me and my own vulnerability, uh, please like tell us because for me, um, I need to know when, whenever I'm overstepping a line or just being a jerk. Um, cause sometimes it's, it's just not knowing, but I think what, what you two started to say right here is we have to speak out we have to speak up and we do need to, to address this and challenge these people. Um, so one thing that we did talk about was like trying to politely say this, but in situations that we're, we're in day to day, like how, how polite should we really be um, versus how much should we call out? So that's kind of my question um, to you two is like, where, where do we draw that line? Where do we side? Um, is it a little this, a little that, or, you know, is it just up to the situation every time? So that, that'd be my question for you two is, is how do we approach the situation? So I definitely, for me, I think it depends on the person. Um, you know, everyone receives things that they don't want to hear differently. So obviously my approach to life is with love. Um, so up front, I'm going to, you know, say, hey, whatever. I don't agree with. This is why, you know, and you'll kind of be able to get a feel for how the conversation is going to go. And then if it starts to go south and they start getting offensive, that's where I lay into them, you know? Like, so basically the receiver is going to decide how the conversation is going to go and how I'm going to approach them. So, but initially it'll be with love because ultimately what this world needs is what love. Absolutely. You know, we're lacking it. So. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same as basically what Tara said. It just kind of depends to me who the person is, how the conversation is going to go. If honestly, also, if I'm going to say something at all. So it's just, I I guess, dependent on who that person is. And, you know, I mean, it's hard to stand up to people sometimes or to stand up for what you believe in. And, um, but it's just something that I think more and more, especially we've seen throughout this year um, with all the protests and things that are very, very important to talk about, um, to speak about with each other and that these hard conversations, whether it be about racism or um, injustice against women or whoever it is, these are hard conversations to have, um, but, and they're not always going to go in a way that we can predict or in a way that we would like, but we got to try. And it's, it's worth at least putting yourself out there to, try and you know make make a change in a way in whatever small way you can well two quick things i want to throw in here is first of all beth um it was very flattering to me as much as i felt like a heel it was really flattering to me that you felt um close enough to me as a friend that you could confront me about something that made you uncomfortable because i would have continued to be sort of like you know, I'm a gay dude and here I am participating in this sort of demeaning, uh, you know, with sexual overtones treatment of women. And um, it's, it goes to show how deeply ingrained social behavior, this kind of passive social behavior that we just pick, pick up from who knows how many innumerable 
television shows and movies and everything where guys just being guys, I hear that phrase. Oh, that, you know, look what happened. You know, guys just do that. That's, that's locker room talk and, and, and that kind of phraseology, which, which drives me nuts. But your, your confronting me, Beth, actually was, it was a little humbling at first. And then all day long, I felt like, um, oh my God, I'm actually paying attention in a different way. So I, I have to thank you for that. Uh, to, to get back to what Tara said, uh, what you said that you have felt a special obligation within the denim community. Um, and I think that's a really smart uh, thing to say because I think we can't change macro, the, the macro situation in our country or in our world or in even in our city um, uh, uh, overnight. Um, but the way that it changes by, is by groups of people learning together. And whether it's at a school where that behavior becomes something that people don't do with that school or, or at a church, at a business that you're employed at, in this case, a small industry, if everybody in the denim community, uh, for example, is going to be aware that this kind of behavior isn't so cool, it's going to become less and less prevalent. There's no doubt if it's, uh, you know, it'll be, a, the, the new norm will be more respect as opposed to thinking it's kind of fun to uh, to, to be demeaning. Um, I want to go back. I wrote a couple of questions to ask. Um, what do you think, first of all, if, if you if you can't, what do you think of this idea of vulnerability? Um, what What is your take on what vulnerability is? I mean, this like the quick, obvious definition, but does it have a special meaning for either or, or both of you? Um, so for me, vulnerability is the ability to be transparent without worry of what someone's going to think. Um, and the ability to just be yourself and you know take down the outer layer and just be free um i think a lot of people are so worried these days about you know how you're going to be perceived that a lot of people aren't vulnerable with each other and i think we need that more um in society but since we're speaking about the denim community in the denim community um my husband and I were very transparent when it comes to the things that we're doing um, within our business. And we're very transparent about the things that are going on within our family um, to the people that, you know, we interact with. And that's a part of us being vulnerable with you all, just so that you know that we're very humble people and that, you know, there's not anything that you can't ask us that we're not going to that we're going to be offended by, I should say. Beth? Um, I think for me, I kind of started thinking about vulnerability when um, some of Brene Brown's work came to the forefront in society. Uh, she has some pretty amazing books about vulnerability and um, a really awesome TED Talk, too. I don't know if either of you guys or any of you have seen that, um, but as I saw that and read some of her work, um, just her speaking about how, you know, truly the most courageous thing that you can do is to be vulnerable. It's, it's like one of people's greatest fears in life is to be vulnerable with people. And um, so it's kind of something I've been thinking about for several years and realizing that part of what I really enjoy about people and the people that I enjoy the most are the people who are willing to be vulnerable. Um, probably why I initially was very, very drawn to, you know, Tara and Charles and what they're doing um, on their Instagram and with their brand. And um, same with, you know, Adam, how we met and, and, and then you too, Albert, um, it's just hearing people's stories and hearing people's truths and being able to kind of just have that feeling of knowing when someone's being real with you. And that, that really is what connects me to people. So that's my take in on vulnerability. I mean, those, those are both great. Those are terrifically clear points that you made. So, but here's the bonus question and probably the most important question I wanted to ask tonight. Are women better at being vulnerable is it a skill that men are particularly bad at? Is there, are there, is there a mythology 
really at play here? Are women any more any more capable of being vulnerable? What is what is your belief in terms of of how men and women are different when it comes to vulnerability? I've been wanting to ask this all day long. I couldn't wait to ask this question. Beth, you want to go first? Sure. Um, I truly, truly believe men and women are no different. I think it depends on the person um, and probably their past experiences with being vulnerable with people. Um, But part of, I think, for me being a gay woman has been... Um, I have, I sort of get let in on like things that are happening, uh, in conversation with men and get let into these like trusting conversations a little bit more because I think men see me as also like, oh, you get it. Like you're with women, you understand how, how women are. And so I, I think sometimes I've gotten let in on little secret conversations or secret, um, like vulnerabilities from these men who feel comfortable telling me because they know that I understand because I'm with a woman and they don't have to uphold that macho thing with me. So um, truly from my experience, I think like men are awesome. They can be just as vulnerable as women and it in such a unique way too. I think it's right there under the surface. I think it's just about our society um, creating more space for that to be okay. And that's what you guys are doing. And that is why I am such a huge, huge supporter of your podcast and what you're doing because it's, it's right there. We're right there. And it just takes that little bit of openness to crack the surface. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And uh, I just want to say thank you. But yeah, um, Tara, you're about to jump in there. Go for it. So I totally agree with Beth. Um, and just to add to that, so I feel like it depends on the situation. Um, I de- it depends on like who you're around. Um, I do feel, well, again, going back to my profession, I just feel like um, the vulnerability for men isn't as accepting, I guess. Um, Just because, you know, that's something that they have to be macho in and, um, you know, you can't let your guard down and, you know, you can't look weak. Uh, Some people, I guess, think that's a weak thing, but, um, but, in society in general, um, I really think it just depends on who you're talking with and if they're trust, if they trust you enough. Um, I think it's kind of 50, 50. I mean, I've seen women who are not vulnerable at all, you know, out of fear of being hurt. Same with men. Um, it just depends on the person, their upbringing, you know, what they're going through at the time. Yeah. Um, just to, to, kind of tie your two things together. Um, Beth, you were talking out Brene Brown and she's one of my all time favorites. And Tara, you actually just brought it up, um, the weakness aspect of it. And, um, in her book, um, I thought it was just me, but it isn't. Um, when she describes men's vulnerability, even though she primarily studies women, um, this is her little excerpt on that. I just want to read a, a quick little bit. Who should men be? Anyone, as long as you're not perceived as weak. What should men be? Anything, as long as you're not perceived as weak. How should men be? Anyway, as long as you're not perceived as weak. So this idea of weakness, this idea of being less or this stereotypical man or, you know, like you're saying, the macho, we all have this kind of like term for it. We we all know what it is, the man's man's, the working man, you know, uh, all these things, we have this image in our head that society kind of painted of men and it's the never crying, never weak, always there, um, you know, can drink you under the table, this and that. And, and they're kind of like this idealized perfect person, but never in there is like showing, you know, love or showing emotion or having empathy. So, you know, for me, I know that my wife probably has so much more, so much more vulnerability than I do. Um, I know 
she's my go-to whenever I need a reality check or I need someone to run something by it's my wife. And, and she gives me that perspective that I don't have. So for me, my vulnerability is nothing without my wife in there. Cause she, she's my go-to. She's my, 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 well, me now, Adam. Um, so <laughs> I know, I, I know I got you, but you know, I, <laughs> we don't sleep in the same bed, Albert, you know, every single night. Oh, you don't no, have to hear me snore. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> who does it it's all a lie <laughs> but i'm just saying like um you know we all all four of us on here have partners that we've chosen for life and we said you're you're our person and um you know for me it's just that i think what i lack i have in in my partner because the reason i chose my wife is she has the biggest heart i have ever seen in my entire life and I know that's not me. I've, I've been raised much different than her, but for me, seeing the way she sees the world in such an open and loving way, just, just shows me that there, there's a difference. Um, whether it's male, female, whether it's, it's our roles, whether it's how we parent, I I don't know what it is. Um, but I think there's a difference, but I don't think there is, you know, it's not like, you know, 80, 20 male, female, I, I think it's still 50, 50, but I think there's definitely a way that the male perception of their self, as well as the female perception of their self is generated within the society. And, and whether it be straight or gay, however you, you roll it, um, there is an image that we all need to uphold. And whenever we're kind of, you know, challenging that image, that's where vulnerability comes into play. And for me, I don't, I don't have to challenge too much, but for women, I mean, you said it you're constantly being challenged. You're constantly being barraged with all of these things that just challenge your identity. So I feel like whether, you know, if it's different, women still have it, you know, you get tested way more than men. And I think that is, I think that's the biggest difference. And I'd love to hear your take on that because, you know, men are just trying to say, Hey, I'm, I'm just trying to be strong. I'm trying to be this, this guy, but you know, from being challenged, you know, how, how much do we really get challenged that every day versus who you are as a woman? Um, I feel like you can't walk a block without seeing, Hey, what it is to be a woman. So, um, you know, how, how do you perceive that? Because that's what I really see as vulnerabilities, the relationship to the societal image of your, your gender or role in life. So immediately I thought about the fact that as soon as I have a son and I have a daughter. My daughter's five. Mm -hmm. My son is 10 months. When my daughter was born, I already knew that she's going to have to work harder, fight harder, be stronger, do more. And then with my son, he already has a leg up because he's a male. And so if you take that into the corporate world, if you take that anywhere you go, just because of your gender, to start with, you already have a leg up. And so for women, I just feel like we have to do better, be better, talk better, act better, you know, look a certain way. You know, there's just so many factors that go in it that um, up front, you know, being vulnerable on top of all of that is very difficult, especially depending on the situation. So if I flip that, I am in charge of all males and all of them have been vulnerable with me. I've had them come in my office and cry, you know, literally ask me for advice. So as a senior leader and a female, it's my job to let men know and create a platform for men in general to understand that it's okay to be vulnerable. You're not weak. You're not anything other than who you are when you're vulnerable. What, what kind of issues would they bring? I'm just curious. What is it that will make them open up to you like that, even to the point of crying? What a, is it a fear about not providing for their families or not being with their families? What are the kinds of things triggering them coming to you and saying, I, I, I need some help here. I'm just curious. So for one situation in particular, one of them thought they were going to be homeless until I provided some resources for them. 
One of them thought they were going to lose their whole career for a situation that they got in trouble with. Um, so just, you know, real deep, dark situations that, you know, they need someone who, I guess, motherly, I don't know what it was, but they just needed someone who they could be vulnerable with because, you know, sometimes you can't go home and talk about that stuff. Hey, babe, I'm about to lose my career. Like, that's not something you want to go home with. So, and the good side is that they didn't lose their career, but, um, you know, just in that moment, you know, that fear sets in, you know, and you're just sitting at a desk panicking. Like, that's not how we want people to live. Is it possible? Cause I look, I've never served in the military. Um, is it possible? Can you train soldiers to be tough the way they're supposed to be tough? But also vulnerable. I mean, is it is vulnerability just by nature not a good asset to have as a soldier? Is is it play against the toughening that has to happen? Can you explain a little bit of that of that that hard to negotiate sort of conflict? So I think initially I've been in the uh, the service eighteen years, and initially we were taught to not be vulnerable. However, recently the Army has launched a program called master resilience training mrt and that is basically teaching people how to feel and be vulnerable and process things that you know they wouldn't process before so they have gotten a lot better at doing that wow yeah <laughs> not something i would i think of you know because for me the the ultimate fantasy is you know the Jason Bourne the the James Bond you know the elite soldier going through but <laughs> I mean still in those movies there's very immense and emotional things and you just don't think about the the flip side all the time and you know just having someone to talk about I mean that's been a theme throughout our entire show is having someone to really talk to and you know male female whatever in between the the act of communicating and and truly displaying your true self and true emotions that's i mean that's hard just to do in, in normal life with your partner is being absolutely honest T tara can i ask you would you rate charles as a, a man who uh, can be vulnerable is he have that as a as an aspect of his personality Without getting you into trouble. I don't want to make marital troubles. So I will say when I first met Charles <laughs> that he did not. Oh, no. <laughs> no. So when I first met him, you know, we met and he was very vulnerable, but in the aspect of he was dating someone and we were just friends. So he talked to me a lot about the struggles that he had in that moment. Now, once we got married and everything, you know, the vulnerability um category switches so um he is he is vulnerable um but you know again like i said before you have to be able to create a space to allow that to come um i would say up front no you know trust has to be earned um because you know when you're vulnerable and when you're transparent you know you never you're laying everything out out there so you never know how someone's going to receive that so over time yeah it took a while but you know he knows that he can come to me with anything and be vulnerable and whatever so uh beth did you want to um jump in because i i think you have a unique perspective and we have a wonderful our lineup here tonight is sort of a a straight dude a gay dude and uh, a, mar a married to a guy woman and a married to a gal woman. So it's like, we've got, a, we've got the bases covered tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we got it all for you. <laughs> um, I mean, I think just kind of going back to Adam's question, um, just about like what women face. Um, I think as much as men are faced with this, like it's not okay to be vulnerable and you shouldn't show emotion and strength is when you don't show emotion. I think um, it can be even harder for women in a way because you're held to a double standard of um, society expects you to be 
soft and vulnerable and feeling and emotional and um, to be open. And then at the same time in business or work settings, uh, professional settings, oftentimes women are expected to be very cold and um, withheld and to keep their emotions in check. And the minute that the emotions come out or the vulnerability comes out with women in those types of settings, then I think that, you know, it's used against us sometimes. Um, so I think, think we're held to that double standard of, you know, society wanting us to be this way, but also expecting us to be like men in uh, work settings. Yeah. Every time I see a, a woman uh, running for office or coming out as a congresswoman or a senator or whatever, I just think what an incredibly hard thing to do to project strength. Uh, yet, uh, you know, the minute, like you said, a, that a woman is is perceived as being, you know, too strong or not strong enough. It's like, that, where do you find that that middle ground? I think it's it's so, you know, men can err on the side of the hard side and be complimented for it. But, but women, it's like, hello there, Charles. Women, um, really, uh, uh, threading that needle seems all but impossible. I'm, I'm, we're going to watch it right now. Tonight just happens to be the, the vice presidential debate. And, uh, you know, it's just extraordinary to me uh, to see how the criticisms of women politicians are just ludicrous. I mean, everything, including like, who would ever really say much about like how some boring male senator dresses, but like if, if a, a woman politician doesn't have a certain look uh, on, it's like, you know, well, people are going to also critique what, her clothing too. It's just, you know, how many times do we have to hear about Hillary's pantsuits? Um, but anyway, uh, I don't, you know, it's, it's 920. We have like, uh, you know, 10 minutes in our customary hour. My, this is a really uh, uh, important question I wanted to ask, and I, you know, I probably should have told you it in advance so you could have given it some more thought, but please give us your very best advice as women talking to men and thinking about the men who might be listening to this particular podcast. What are, what are some of the uh, bits of advice you can give to them about them being vulnerable, about them communicating with women, I and mean, about them understanding your vulnerabilities. Um, if there's either one you want to go first, but just give us your advice. We need to learn as much as we can from you uh, with you here. And of course, you can come back in the future. We'll have you on again. But uh, anyway, I should have probably asked you this earlier today. For me, my biggest thing I would say is just listen. Just listen to women. And like Albert, when I came to you with this issue that happened with this post on Instagram, I knew I could come to you because I knew you would listen to me and that, you know, maybe this was going to be a hard thing to talk about, but I felt like it was something important and that it was something that, that you and Adam would be interested in based on the subject matter of your podcast. And so I think that just uh, listening to women and what they have to say and trusting that what they say is coming from a place of um, personal truth, um, not just hysterical emotionality um, is very important. And just, just to realize that, you know, the things that as women we face every single day um, that maybe don't even cross your mind as a man, it's important to, you know, maybe just take a step back and, see things from that perspective. And, you know, I mean, I can't speak much to within a relationship, what that's going to be like, um, between a man and a woman. And, you know, maybe hopefully Tara will have some more things to say about that. Um, but just listening, listening, truly. Beth, were there, do you have, um, male siblings or do you, were, uh, what, what's your relationship like within your family? Were there men that you have very strong relationships in your, your, your immediate family? Um, I have a dad and we're not close. We don't have a great relationship, um, which is funny because I actually love men as friends. I have more male friends than I do probably female friends and always have really felt, um, I, I don't know, very comfortable in like primarily male settings. A lot of my jobs have been in that kind of 
segment of society. Um, I've, I've spent a lot of time, I don't know, I feel, feel very comfortable with men. Uh, I played male sports growing up. Um, I was the only girl on the boys soccer team. So I, I like really totally dig men as friends and appreciate the way that they view the world and um, deal with conflict at times to where they can just let things go where with female friendships, it seems um, (laughs) harder sometimes to just let things go and move on. Things kind of just fester under the surface with female friends in, in my experience. But yeah, I mean, I, w- I was married at one point to a man, also not a, a great relationship. But um, as far as friends, like I, I love dudes just like you and Adam. I love you guys. And all my Alyssa calls all of my Instagram denim friends, my denim boyfriends. So, I mean, I love all you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so to caveat off what Beth said, definitely the saying, you know, slow to speak, quick to listen, um, applies. Um, definitely listening to what someone, a woman has to say. Um, but also putting your ego aside. Um, I think a lot of times when a woman is approaching a situation, immediately the thought comes to mind that, um, we're trying to question, you know, your intentions or, you know, we're trying to put you down or put a man down or whatever, you know, but it's not always the case. Like, you know, I always say two heads are better than one. So, you know, women have really amazing ideas. We have really amazing opinions. Um, So just being able to, you know, take the time to listen and receive the information that's being given well. will make a lot of things better. Um, So with our business, um, you know, I've gone to business meetings with Charles. He's the mastermind behind the brand. You know, um, I'm a lot of times in the background behind the scenes doing things, but I recently, we had a collaboration with We Don't Run From Adversity. And I went to some business meetings and they'll tell you that, you know, having me there was helpful because, you know, the ideas that I brought forth were things that they may or may not have thought of. And that our rose colored chore coat was a decision that ultimately came from me because I pressed hard on it, you know, and the chore coat sold out. So um, just taking a risk you know, if you've not been able to listen to a woman's advice, just taking that risk for once. If it fails, it fails. But if it doesn't, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, that is, I mean, amazing, I think is the best word um, for this. And what I've learned over quite a bit of time is feedback is a gift. And, you know, if someone, even if they are giving you criticism, a lot of the times that should end in a thank you because it's, it's not aware um, that you have that awareness. And for me, um, vulnerability and and a lot of what you guys said is just being able to, to be in touch with my own fragility and taking that feedback correctly, because sometimes, you know, you're very defensive, but from what you both said, it's just, just listen and, and hear it out. Um, because if someone is taking that honest to goodness time to, to really spell that out for you, that's a gift. And I think that the more we see these opportunities as gifts, the more that we'll be able to learn and grow together. So I very much appreciate this conversation that we've had. And I think the takeaways from this are invaluable. And I just got to say thank you. And that rose-colored short coat was dope. So (laughs) I'm really really psyched to hear the the story behind it. (laughs) Wow. That was really – that was just so – Thank incredibly <laughs> insightful and you know i just have to say uh tara again just you and your husband together just make me uh you know i look at, at the service that you do for the country and you know it is extraordinary how in a way 
there is this great divide between people in the military and the rest of the country. It's amazing how many people that I you can talk to and they'll you'll dial down and realize none of them know anyone who's serving in the military. And that that is a real issue, I think, in our society. I think that um, it's dangerous that any group that's so important, I mean, you're important in so many ways to our society, but any, any group needs to be, we all need to be groups within groups together as one big group uh, of Americans. And uh, you, you and Charles just always, you know, make me um, just feel so strongly like, wow, they are like these, I, you, like ideals, like the two of you work so hard, you see, you have children, you have a business, you just seem like the two of you work together as a team so brilliantly. And um, I, you know, I, I'm going to try and, and make more effort to learn more about uh, people who serve in the military. I have, interestingly, one of our earlier guests uh, is now uh, embarking on a career in the Air Force. And it's great because he's been reaching out to me more uh, and talk, telling me um, about his uh, experience and telling me what, you know, he's doing, um, you know, public affairs works, which I'm fascinated by because I'm like a PR guy and I'm trying to understand. P yeah. Uh, and, and you know, that enlightenment is just oh, so yeah. great. And once again, Fantastic. over and over again, the message mm -hmm. is the same. It's listening. If we listen, everything changes. If we listen, all, all of a sudden, all these things that seem so frightful, so impossible, so complex... Yeah. listening reveals the way out of it all it's just a knot that is is utterly uh manageable it just requires listening so i have to thank you tremendously um uh, for both of you for saying that phrase uh, so strongly um adam any any closing thoughts you want to come up with yeah i mean i i really to just said it is just feedback is a gift and i think we all just need to to listen a little bit more so Thank you, Beth. Thank you, Tara. Uh, I really appreciate you making uh, some time for us tonight. This has been another episode of the Fear, Vulnerability Fear podcast. I'm Adam Glitzky. I'm Albert Imperato. Beth Young. Aaron Miller. Thank you for listening.